Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and frankly, we love to amplify those stories, especially when they're moving and meaningful and compelling. And I know you're going to love today's guest. Most of my listeners already know and love today's guest. I know and love today's guest, Mary Kimber. It's about time you're on the show. I'm so happy to have you here. I think I've been begging you for two years now. (laughs) At least a year. (laughs) Yeah, at least a year. At least a year. I have maybe 330 of these under my belt now. Oh, Um, wow. And you were probably number four on the list. So that's pretty obnoxious of me to keep asking, but I didn't give up. And here you are today. I'm super excited to have you here. Oh my gosh, what an honor. Thank you so much for the kind words. You bet. It's it's mutual. Oh, well, that's super sweet of a mentor to say of a mentee. That's super sweet. You've been someone I look up to, ask advice of. Uh, have followed, uh, you've made a graceful transition into doing what you love to do. Uh, and we'll talk more about that. Um, but let's get started by telling everyone a little bit about yourself in your own words. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you again. This is an honor. I'm thrilled. Um, and I can't say enough good things about you, Susan. You've been such a connector for so many people. I feel like that's what I do in my work also. Yes. Um, but I came from very humble background and um, honestly did not know what I wanted to do with my life. So I'm a bit older. I grew up in the 60s. And I'm proud of it. I know I've learned a lot about the 60s from you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, That said, I was really fortunate. I had great parents, uh, great mentors um, in college, both both uh, professional and more casual mentors, I would say. But um, so what I did, I when I graduated from high school, I, it was a really, really difficult time in America. And growing up in a political family, like I did, um, we were encouraged to really express our feelings and to argue even, argue our point. My dad was a high school civics teacher for 35 years. Wow. And really instilled in us the importance of our working democracy. Um, All that said, I was lucky he was a really good teacher because I went to the same high school that my dad taught in, in Billings, Montana. Nice. And in those days, I think, you know, a lot of kids were very um, fractured from their parents. And I was to a certain extent, my dad and I fought for years about Vietnam, but we did become whole um, years later and that's all water under the bridge. At any rate, when I got out of high school in my senior year, I really didn't have a plan. I did not want to go to college. I just did not know what I wanted to do. I never really wanted to go, um, but I knew I didn't want to go to work either, so. (laughs) <laughs> I had been working. I had been working since I was 13. I worked for Parks and Rec. And um, it was good, very good experience with people. And I, you know, I worked with kids and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, at any rate, I had a wonderful high school art teacher who could see my frustration. He was very, very encouraging of me and encouraged me to keep painting. One day he threw a catalog at me from across the room and it was to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. And they had a summer program for people that had decided late whether they wanted to you know, uh, attend or not. 
And so this summer workshop was available to me if I could get in. I had to send a little portfolio of my work. Back in those days, that was on slides. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Kodachrome. Kodachrome. So I remember I, those. <laughs> so at any rate, long story short, I got in for the summer and I went back in the fall. They accepted me and I was there for two years. I had great mentors, just fabulous, fabulous people. And I had a great time, however, and growing up in Montana, I would be used to it, but the winter in Minnesota is something else. And I also was at a, a kind of a bridge in my creative endeavors in that painting was to me becoming more and more difficult. I had this notion that, well, I can't compete with Van Gogh or Rembrandt, so why paint? which was silly looking wow, back. Wow, that's a high bar. I know, <laughs> but I thought, well, you know, I'll never be a painter like that. So I was very interested in filmmaking. And I shot a couple of Super 8 movies um, for a class called Multimedia or Intermedia. And my professor, uh, a gentleman who's world famous by the name of Sia Armanjani, he said, look, you know, why don't we transfer you to San Francisco. They have a film program, but you have to promise to come back. And so I applied for a grant and I got accepted to the San Francisco Art Institute. Wow. So of course I took that and, and went the following year, moved there in late summer and took filmmaking and photography for two years. I always painted, but this was a whole stretch for me. At any rate, I was really, really lucky that I fell in with some great people in San Francisco. Again, great instructors. I learned so much. Um, but I also knew I was never going to make a living at that unless I moved to LA. And you know, living in South San Francisco, who would want to leave San Francisco for LA? I hear you. We have that, that <laughs> rivalry. North yeah, so South. I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it, but I knew I was, I had to get a job. And so I had been working through school anyway, but um, I ended up working as a temp for a while. And um, the temp called me one day and said, I really need you to go work for this law firm. They're a mess. They need help. Um, can I send you there for a month or two to clean up their books and help them get organized? And I thought, great, sure, I can do that. Well, the rest is history. I stayed with that firm for six years. I became their first paralegal. They sent me to paralegal school. I went to trial. I loved it. And what I loved about it was that we handled both sides. We were plaintiff, but we also did defense work, small two guy shop. And I ended up running the place. So during that time, I continued to paint. And I did a, a movie, my thesis, which was called Miles of Time. I was a, a 30 minute. I love that. <laughs> 30 minute, 16 millimeter film um, that I did the year after I graduated and got lots of kudos for that, but still had to you know, remain at my job. So what I liked about the law um, and don't get me wrong, my dad was in the legislature for many years, and my mom was a legal secretary whose boss was also in the state senate. So she would go when my dad went to the legislature, which was in a different city than where we grew up. 
And along the way, um, I learned to really appreciate the people she worked for. Uh, whenever, you know, Christmas came around, my mom would get a big bonus, which was really our Christmas. And that happened to me when we won a big case and they won um, a big settlement or a big verdict, they got paid and I'd get a bonus too. Well, I really liked that. <laughs> I yeah, thought, well, yeah. this, you know, this, I can work for me. But a long story, I'll try to wrap that part up. I, I got very frustrated living in the city. I knew I'd never afford to buy a house there. Um, and I broke up with a boyfriend, long time relationship and decided to move back to Montana because I wanted to live in the mountains. <laughs> so I moved home <laughs> and this was quite a thing. I was 28 years old and it's very difficult to move home when you're 28. But along came my soon to be husband, Miles Kimber. Um, so wait, you named your video um, before you married? Before I knew, yeah. Oh. It actually was the soundtrack of a record album from a, a trio called the Jim Lowe Trio. Probably still find it out there. Wow. Miles of time. Yeah. And so we set my movie to the sound, to the, to the album, uh, Miles of Time. Nice. Yeah. So I met Miles <laughs> and we got married and um, I was looking for property in the mountains when I met him, but we got pregnant and had two children and promptly moved to Denver because the economy tanked. Um, Montana in those days and still to some extent really boom and bust depending on the oil industry, energy industry. So my husband's job was, he was a salesman um, with pipe, uh, plumbing, valves, fittings, anything to do with water. Um, but they closed their Montana territory. So he had no job unless he moved to Denver. So kicking and screaming, I went with my husband to Denver. Didn't know a soul, um, but I did have a good resume and I very quickly got a job as a paralegal with a small firm called Felton Martin. Um, um, that was in, in Billings, excuse me, I've got to back up a minute. When I got to Denver, I went to work for Hall and Evans, which is still in existence. Yeah. Um, and stayed there, um, oh gosh, I don't remember how many years, two or three years. And then I moved on to a firm called White and Steel. And I worked for the executive um, chairman. It was more of an executive assistant position. But at the time, um, he didn't have a paralegal. So I worked with him on his trials and then until he hired a paralegal. And then I started doing events for the firm. Um, and events kind of gradually led into marketing. We had a marketing consultant, something like what I do now, who came in and, you know, helped them strategize and do the big stuff. And a guy named Bob Weiss, and he was a real mentor to me. He took me under his wing. And one day he came in for his monthly meeting and he said to the partners, why don't you just make her your full-time marketing person? She's really good at this. She's a person, people person. And so they did. So I hung around. It was an insurance defense firm. I was there for a total of 10 years. Wow, Mary. And I think I've heard you talk about this guy before, but that's amazing. 10 yeah, years. Yeah. Um, I, you know, part of that was marketing. I started marketing in 95. 
Um, at any rate, I got bored. I was really bored and I just wasn't happy doing what I was doing. So I took a detour and I went to work for a political campaign, shocker, um, a guy that was used to be the dean of the law school of University of Colorado was running for Congress. And he asked me to come work for him as his finance director, fundraising basically. While I was there, he lost, but I met some folks from Patent Boggs and the rest is history. They hired me in the Denver office and I was there for four years as a manager and was promoted to the top job in Washington um, where I stayed another seven years as a CMO. Great job, I had a great time, the most fascinating job anyone could ever have. And I absolutely loved the people I worked with. Um, so I stayed there um, 11 years, I think I mentioned. And after that, in the meantime, I raised two girls. My daughters are both grown adult women now. And we have a granddaughter. And during that time, all the time working for attorneys in Denver, I got very involved in democratic politics with my county. And, you know, went on and did a lot of things for the party on a volunteer basis. I was the vice chair of the party, culminating in 2000, going to the Democratic National Convention as a delegate. Nice. Very exciting. It was. It was very exciting, heady days. Um, and I also had kind of a natural fit with the political angle with Patton Boggs. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I didn't want to interrupt, but I do want to address that. Your yeah. role as CMO, um, that firm, as we know, um, is very steeped in GR. So I'm sure that that was exciting to you. Not only are you doing legal marketing, you're doing a lot of government relations. And it I, mean, was. That, I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, I think people who are just in law firm marketing don't understand the sizzle that goes along with the GR <laughs> component. Like many firms don't do GR. And I love that you did that. That's, that's, yeah. oh. Well, we were the number one lobbying firm in the country at the time. Yeah, we're yeah. a client, not me, my, my husband. My husband's a client, I'm not a client. But yes, exactly, um, very well. Yeah. And well it was heady times. I had a staff of 17. Wow. And included in that, um, was uh, a woman who helped with our fundraising pack. So I oversaw all the fundraising also. And we did fundraisers for both sides of the aisle. Uh, we got so much press because of our clients, mostly on the lobbying side. Yes. For government affairs. We had, we had, we got so much press. The first six weeks I was there, all I did was press calls. And I find they didn't have a press person. Um, I finally went to my managing partner and said, I can't get any other work done. Um, you know, I need a press director. He said, great, hire one. So I did. I hired the firm's first uh, director of media relations who came from, believe it or not, uh, 2020. He was a producer with Barbara Walters. Wow. So we used to joke a lot that his previous boss was Barbara Walters and now he works for me. <laughs> He traded up. Yeah, he traded up, right? <laughs> He's now a uh, public affairs with the FBI. He went on for very oh, he, he's very busy. He's very busy. Exactly. <laughs> Last administration for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was fun. Those days were fun. Um, 
for instance, um, you know, we did fundraisers for a lot of people. And while I didn't get personally involved in those because I had a staff to do that, when Hillary Clinton came, um, believe me, all, my entire staff had to meet her, of course, and she was very gracious. When Nancy Pelosi came on behalf of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, we all got to meet her. And of course, I had to get an autograph for my recently born granddaughter. At that time, Pelosi was Speaker of the House the first time under yeah. Barack Obama. So it was a heady time and I, I really did enjoy it very, very much. Met great lawyers, I'm still in touch with many of them and most of my staff. Yeah, so, I, I mean, if, if I were to ever consider that journey again, and I won't just right here, folks, you know, it. <laughs> I will never, but that would be a firm I would want to work with. Um, yeah, great, great firm, great lawyers. They understand the difference between marketing and business development. They understand the importance of uh, working across the aisle. They understand, you know, voting your values, not your fears. Right. They're about facts and not propaganda, but we could go on about that. It was a different time for sure. It was a totally different time. Um, crazy, crazy madness that we'll try not to talk about on this call because I literally, if, if I need heart medication, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you know, I know. I know. Uh, well, so at any rate, I, I stayed 11 years. And the reason I left was in the meantime, my husband and I had sold our home um, in Wheat Ridge, which was a suburb of Denver. And we did not want to buy in DC. It was extraordinarily expensive. And I knew I wasn't going to be there forever. So we decided to build on our mountain property that we had bought property in the Colorado Rockies in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains in a development. And we had bought it in, I want to say 94. And we just camped on it. We came down on weekends and, um, you know, holidays and, and, and camped. So we decided to build our house while we were in Washington, which I would not recommend to anyone. You have to be on the ground when you build a house. Um, but we did get it done and we were not spending enough time here. Um, we'd get here, you know, we tried to come on the holidays and we'd come for two weeks in the summer, um, but it just wasn't enough. And so lo and behold, I got an offer to come to Denver and work for a long established 189 year old Denver firm, Holm Roberts and Owen. Sad to say is no longer in existence, they merged. But they begged me to come and they matched my salary, which was quite something. And I, I couldn't say no. Mary, I have yeah. to ask you something. Yeah, I get it. I get it. The pull of being in a place that's less hectic than DC and you had the yep. land, but were you at all for any moment sad about leaving Patton Boggs? Because yes, yeah, no, I, I was for, I still am in some ways because it was yeah. the best job I ever had. It was a yeah. great job. It's other you know, I got to job. Yeah, I got to travel to the Middle East and hire someone in Doha and Qatar. Yeah. I went to Alaska frequently because we had an Anchorage office. I went to Texas a lot. We had a Dallas office. I loved the people and I really loved the work. I was really, really fortunate though. They were hard. Mary Kimber, they were fortunate. Well, thank you so much. 
So I came back, I came back West and took the job at HRO and they ended up merging with, uh, with Brian Cave and I wasn't happy after the merger. I stayed on for two years and helped them integrate their brand and did a lot of work on that. And then decided I wanted to go out on my own, which um, took a lot of guts. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. And I have to say it was the best thing I did. Um, I mean, I just was able to do it by the grace of my friends and referrals and really not having to hustle too much. I want to get to one of my mentors because she's the one that really helped me see the light on this. Uh, so I started Fort Kimber Partners in 2014, working remotely from my home in the mountains, which I thought, wow, if I can do it from here, then I should be able to do this anywhere. Um, and that worked out really, really well. Um, I'm in my eighth year. I don't have the passion for it that I did, you know, from the beginning. And with COVID, it's made it, you know, it difficult. Typically, I would go to Denver and spend a week there once a month visiting my clients. Face-to-face um, -face meetings, as you know, are always best. Um, and there's Zoom and everything, but business did fall off dramatically, um, which left me time to paint, my really true passion. So I picked up painting again when we moved back to Colorado and I've been painting frequently. Um, that's the wrong word. I've been painting consistently. There you go. For about seven years. Um, and really a lot in the last couple of years and enjoying it so much, enjoying it. So that is wonderful. Your work is so, um, well, you can tell it's fulfilling for you, but it's also fulfilling to those of us who enjoy viewing it. I am a fan. Thank you. Thank um, you. Committed. <laughs> well, I'm grateful. I really am. Um, yeah. You know, my legal marketing friends have been some of my biggest supporters and it's really gratifying. It really is. But it also, I think there's a lesson here for people that, um, you know, don't give up on your dreams. Um, you can do two things. You know, you can do two things at once even. <laughs> um, I wouldn't recommend um, trying to do two things at once full steam ahead, but I'm I'm, I would say semi-retired at this juncture in my life where if I don't want to work, I don't have to work. Um, I had a call the other day, interesting, a referral from a gentleman um, who's a solo in a very unique practice um, and wanted to talk to me about doing PR for him. We had a great call, but afterwards I didn't have that tingle. I didn't feel yeah. excited. I didn't so I decided to pass and it turned out to be the right decision because he agreed with me that he loved the conversation also, but we agreed I wasn't the right fit for what he needed at the time. And that freedom to be able to say no um, is really a blessing. Um, it is, you know, I don't feel forced to have to take work that I don't want. And that again is, I'm really grateful for that. And that has to do with my age and having a little bit of retirement money. And, you know, it's different for younger folks, but um, I've had some great mentors uh, and I wanna mention one right now. Um, her name is Deborah McMurray. And I know that she's part of your Empowering Women panel coming up 
and I think she's spoken with your group before, but Deborah just took me on when I said, you know, I want out of my job. I want to start my own company. And she said, come to Dallas. Let's, let's talk this through. Let's strategize. And I spent a weekend there in December of 2013. And I just had the best um, experience in brainstorming and strategizing and people that felt, uh, gave me confidence to do it. She's uh, a woman. Yeah. Let's give her a shout out. She's not only yeah. a speaker at my events and has been before. She's a very close personal friend and an advisor to me as well. I would say that what you just described is, mm -hmm. I don't think she gives it away. Like not everybody, you know, but what she gave to you was a very, um, you know, she's seasoned in this. She's just, yes. she knows what she's talking about. She, she understands, you know, um, politics and procedure, how to build relationships as well as your own business. She has helped me. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am in the success with my two companies if mm -hmm. it weren't for her advice. So yes, I love her dearly. She's also a sponsor of our event. She's been Wonderful. a sponsor of our event. And, um, we're thinking of her because her power's out right now in Texas. She's very- I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Those Texas friends of ours don't know what the heck to do. Oh my gosh. Well, Deborah, De I watched what Deborah did with her own company. Yeah. Starting very small and, and hired her for a couple things and um and worked with Keith Wee also. I have to give a shout out to and and they built my website for Fort Kimber Partners and well, it, she is just knees, I'll say. Yeah, well, she's let me ask you, is Fort Kimber your proudest professional accomplishment? Um I would say it is. I have one moment I want to mention, and that was okay. when I was when I was at Patton Boggs. Um, we decided to do an annual report for the first time, um, which was it was difficult. I'll just tell you, but I I had an outside consultant helping me with the writing and the art and the photography. At any rate, anytime you do something for the first time, it's a big risk. But I had to present it to the annual partner meeting to over 400 partners. And when I did, I got a standing ovation. Aww. And so that was, that's a highlight that I will remember to this day. <laughs> and I'm very proud of that work. Cause like, it's hard to please much less exceed <laughs> the expectations of those attorneys, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So that was a real highlight for me. And I look back on that. I just a lawyer yesterday that all my years of herding cats has turned me into a dog person. <laughs> that's a good line yeah yes we did quite a bit of herding cats for sure yeah. and i still well, do bravo to you bravo i should say to you uh, thank that's you incredible i know how difficult that is um i mean they're always looking to find fault it's their job and yeah. to get a standing ovation is just unbelievable um you know? it was <laughs> and i when i said goodbye to mr boggs was a very difficult exit you and he couldn't have been kinder and just said, I don't know what we're going to do without you. And I was just like, I don't know what I would have done without this opportunity. Wow, um, what a great so, story. So I knew yes. some of it, certainly not all of this. Um, yep. Please, Louise, I already thought well of the firm. And you know, I adore you. Um, I think yep. even more of the firm now because <laughs> I didn't realize, I mean, they seem to have personalized the work that you did and, and your relationship with them. And I think that's key. Yes, it is. Now they've changed too. They've merged also with yeah. another firm, but 
but there are still some key people there and they will always That's be good, for a good corporate culture is when you are yes. curious about people and allow them to be who they are and love them for who and how they are and yeah i love this story well let me ask you this you know my business is lifting women especially at freeman means business which is the company that operates this podcast yes can you give us a little bit of advice on how women can lift each other up well number one hire women yep i have the I believe we should hire women as well. Um, in my situation, I often um, ask for it? referrals. Yes, and, and ask for referrals, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I also like to mentor young women and I've done this consistently throughout my career. And it's, it, I really get more out of it, I think, than they do. <laughs> it's so oh. rewarding to watch young people excel. I always had interns in my um, in my job as CMO um, in in all of them, and trying to mentor the interns became a, a true act of joy for me. I enjoyed it very much, and what's so fun is to sit back years later and see what they've done with their lives, and and I, not exclusively to female uh, interns or to women, but I've tried to uh, mentor as many women as possible. I think that's um, so important. Um, let me ask you. you this. Have you in your years, I know this, I know the answer to this, the answer is yes, but are you willing to share a challenge or a setback and how you overcame that? Yeah, and I think it goes back to my time in politics. My biggest challenge was public speaking. I, and I still struggle with it, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I just didn't have the confidence. I did feel confident in a lot of things. Um, I don't know what it, if it's just drilled into us as little girls, I don't know. I really can't get to the root of it. But I know I lacked confidence in doing many, many things. It holds true in my painting. Um, it's only recently that I feel I can, I can cut loose, only in the last year, and be confident and in, in not with every paint stroke, but confident that, hey, it doesn't matter if it doesn't turn out to be, you know, saleable art, that's not why I paint, but getting, gaining confidence. And the way I overcame that was by doing. You know, you just got to put one foot in front of the other and stand up there and speak. So I used to, um, I ran the get out the vote uh, for my county party uh, two years, two different election cycles. And I had to get up and, and talk in front of people all the time, the whole county party and many times, you know, larger audiences. And I was always nervous, just a train wreck before I got up there. But I would always spot one or two friends in the audience and try to make eye contact and try to breathe and relax. and. I just found by hitting it head on um, was the best way to overcome that fear and the lack of confidence. And I, like I said, I still struggle with it a little bit today, but um, I'm constantly working on it and watching other women. I love watching press secretaries um, <laughs> for, for companies, you know, spokespeople. Yeah. Um, I, I really take keen interest in, um, in watching people in those roles because they have a really valuable job in communicating whatever that message is. 
Yeah. And that's essentially what we do as marketers anyway. Well, I've never had that. I've had other things, you know, um, but I've, ne I've never been afraid to get up and share a message or frame a narrative or. And you're so good at it too. You really well, thank are. You. I, I don't know. You know, I think it's a superpower that I have. This show is not about me, but if someone were to ask me, I don't suffer that imposter syndrome. I don't suffer that fear of public speaking. So I think it's been a gift, especially if yeah. you're in the world we're in. Um, but I want to ask you, have you ever read and maybe even engaged in the workbook that goes with it, The Artist's Way? Yes, I have. I have the book. In fact, right. it's right here. Yep. I also have, um, the other one I like is Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. I have I've both of them. That. I'll have to get that. Um, yeah, they're excellent. Um, and I, I'm taking a workshop as we speak this week. It's a workshop, an online workshop called Art to Life. And um, it's wonderful. Um, I just feel like you can constantly be improving your game, you know, whether, Agreed. Agreed. whether it's painting or whether you're applying, you know, new media, um, you know, in your work, Susan, what you're doing with diversity and inclusion is so important. And, um, you know, constantly grow, uh, learn as you go. I agree. So I call it in search of my ikigai. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I live that way. And and when I can live my ikigai, it's so fulfilling. Um, it It's not about, it's a purpose-driven mission, not a profit-driven mission. So the profits come when you are focused on your purpose and you're living your purpose. And it's pa with passion that you do that. Um, I absolutely adhere to that. That it makes all the sense in the world. And it's true. Oh, it's yeah. Truth. Well, we are an echo chamber here because <laughs> we, we've got the right answer. <laughs> I want to, do we have minute, uh, 30 seconds for a real yeah, quick story? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to you too, because the way oh. we met, and I, this is about women helping women. And it was something that was just astonishing to me. You and I had not met. We met through Patrick Fuller. Yeah. Um, and he introduced us and I was working for a client here, particularly large project of reassessing all and assessing all of their marketing operations and coming up with a strategy uh, going forward. And it was just a, a monumental project. And I was searching for any kind of research on new things I could find. And Patrick introduced you to me on Facebook and you said, what can I do to help you? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm not even sure what, what I, I need yet. And you sent me your master's thesis on business <laughs> development. I didn't even know you. I was absolutely blown away. You gave that to me freely. It's so you. thrilling. It's such compelling reading. I mean, take it to the beach, folks. I'm just <laughs> telling you that that act of, of freely giving of yourself and sharing your knowledge with someone that you only knew through a friend. You make it, it really, uh, really impactful. Patrick Fuller is the male me. Any friend of his is a friend of mine and I can <laughs> see why we all are drawn together. I feel um, the same yeah. way, but that was a very selfless act and it really, it really demonstrated to me the kind of person you are. I loved it. You're making me well up. Um, well, I want to ask, Look, we need to talk a little more about this artwork of yours because yeah. I have a lot of friends who are artists and and they're all remarkable. I don't have any crappy artist friends, right? I need to get some of those because they're fun too, right? <laughs> but I, all my artist friends are extremely talented. Like 
not worthy only of the price we pay for their work, and they are, but worthy of, you know, spending time with that artwork, sitting and getting lost in that artwork and creating your own narrative around the story that artwork tells you, right? So in my work, mm-hmm. I always talk about the receiver makes meaning of the message, regardless of the sender's intent. And mm-hmm. I believe that applies to your work as well. Um, when I look at your paintings, I get the message that I need to hear, that I need to get. That oh, Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing. So I want everyone to know about your new website and that you are now um, successfully showing, sharing, selling your artwork. Um, I'll put this in the blog that I write about you, but I know people are going to want to know more and how to connect with you and even know more maybe about your your um, journey along the way that, that we touched on today. So how can people reach you? Well, marykimber.com. Pretty simple. Easy peasy. Uh, That's my art website. Um, Just launched in December. And there's an email there as well. Um, That's the best way, I think. It also gives a snapshot of what's available for sale. And uh, some of my commissions are on there. I do commissioned work. Um, My process has really um, evolved. And I think that's what painting is, any kind of creativity evolves it's again it's the more you do maybe not so much the better you get but the more intuitive you get to telling your message whether it's color image um whatever it is i i find if i paint you know every week i used to paint every day i can't do that right now but i'm hoping to get back to that what comes out of me is not always what i think it's going to be Right. But my art takes me to another place. I feel like it really is almost a mystical experience. I want I... to ask you about that. I, I liken your journey with art to others' journeys with meditation and other self-actualization with journaling. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what art is to you. Am I right? Yes, a big part of it is. As I mentioned, I always have painted. I mean, I painted when my girls were young. Um, I painted, you know, when I was in the middle of hellish stuff going on at work, I'd take a break. I always had a sketchbook with me, Um, but I didn't really take myself too seriously with it until the last couple of years. And I decided that, boy, if I really put in the effort, I'm going to really see improvement in my own eyes, which is what I'm I'm about here. Um, The biggest joy, well, thank you. The biggest joy, honestly, is watching is, is, is hearing you or other people enjoy my art. That yes. is the most gratifying thing ever. If That's someone what likes. I was going to say, Mary, <laughs> we have seen you come alive through your art. It is a self-actualization. And when one comes to know themselves and love themselves the way that you have done and I have done, then you share that in another form, another language, and your language is art. Mm-hmm. Other people hear that message. They see the message, but they also feel it, experience it. And yes. that to me is where um, I have come to know you better than I've ever known you. Right. And to, I agree. Yes. Love you and trust you and, and you uh, know, be a real part of your life is having y'all. I have her art on my wall, by the way. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, you a- have one of my, one of my favorite paintings. I almost didn't want to part with it. But <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that you have it. Yeah. Well, it's, um, no, it's, 
it's definitely an emotional, um, sure. There's a lot of emotion in, involved in it. Um, but it also comes from even a deeper place. Oh, and I'm I think, sure. you know, when you, I have a lot of artists, mentors, also a couple of, of people that I, that I'm very inspired by that have become friends that I look up to, um, and who've also helped me along the way, given me ideas and just helped me kind of through, think through things. Um, but it is definitely a, um, a creative endeavor that goes much deeper than, you know, brain to hand to paint brush. Right. Um, Definitely. It, it, it reveals so much. Um, I encourage my granddaughter and I do painting sessions once a week um, over video. And Aww. we have so much fun. We also bake together. So those I two saw that. You're things. a great grandmother. I'm not yeah. a great grandmother, but a great, a grandmother who's great. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, it's the biggest gift also. Um, I'm sure. I watched you on Facebook. It makes me smile. Yeah. Well, I love you dearly. Well, it's mutual. <laughs> well, thank you. I am so honored and blessed to call you friend and to have learned more about your journey. Really, oh my God, it's so touching. And I, I don't know that the legal marketing or legal landscape in general is what it once was. And I don't know that, you know, even if I could do it over, um, I would do the yeah. exact same thing. But your journey sounds like a fascinating, wonderful, amazing journey. And I love that you shared it with us here today. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun to do. And I rarely uh, talked about it. And, I know. know all these years the I've known you. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that was a tear-filled story. Like, oh, thank you. Well, stringing, stringing all the breadcrumbs together was kind of fun today. I loved it. It's a healthy exercise. Um, yes. We should all do a timeline of our lives. Um, I think that, that it's a story of love and loss right? Yeah. Yes. But all that is love in and of itself, right? So there's only love or fear. You, you get to choose that. That's your only choice, love or fear. So that's I'm right. glad that you choose love, my friend. I can't wait to get to Fort Kimber and check out that beautiful. Oh, um, you, we have an open door here. I would oh. love for you to come. Yeah. And I will, I'll send you some photos living here. The solitude is magnificent. That would be remarkable because that's, I mean, I fell in love with your, at first I'm, I, was, I was like, I think she has a log cabin. But then when you showed me pictures, I was like, oh my God, this is like <laughs> Tanaya Lodge at, Yell at, at uh, Yellowstone. Is it Yellowstone or Yosemite? Um, I should know that anyway. Yeah, yeah I think that's One of the lodges, it's a remarkable, beautiful place. It blends with nature, but stands out in its own unique way. So thank um, you. Thank you again. This was lovely. I appreciate it so much, Susan. You bet. You bet. Um, we will look for this blog that I'll write in the coming two weeks and I'll post it on my website and then share it to LinkedIn and tag you, Mary. Sounds wonderful. Thank you again. I appreciate it so much. Let all me right. know if you need anything at all. You betcha. I will. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.